if it's scaring you, it's probably for a good reason. On today's podcast, we're going to be talking about fear. Fear is something we all feel, but we all deal with it in different ways. My name is Catherine Sweet. I am the founder of Bobcat Gallery, and I specialize in selling affordable original artwork on a small scale. Sometimes the fear is is a blocker in such a major way that you you know you don't know if it's going to work. You have to try it. Um, you know the the worst thing I can think of is the regret if you haven't tried at all. You have to acknowledge what is scaring you, break it down into bite-sized chunks, and then you can start to to move forward. Our mission is to help 10 million people start and grow a business for free. We want nothing from you. In Pep Talk, we interview industry-leading experts from around the world who share actionable know-how and life lessons. That's why we're excited to partner with GoDaddy to power up Pep Talk. I've been using GoDaddy for years and would promote them on this podcast even if they didn't sponsor us. You can use their free website builder and start your online business at no cost and even get help these days with naming your business. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast notes below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. So, Catherine, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here. Perhaps we could start off by you telling the audience a little bit about yourself. Hi, everyone. Uh, my name is Catherine Sweet. I am the founder of Bobcat Gallery, um, and I specialize in selling affordable original artwork on a small scale. Um, and I'm building a community for my artists uh, so that they can create and collaborate um, and don't have to work in isolation. Wonderful cause. Tell the audience a little bit about how you got here. How did you start this business? Tell us a little bit about the the background. Sure. Um, So I've spent uh, a decade or more in nonprofit communications, actually. So uh, working in-house for various nonprofits and charities. and then in early 2021, I uh, was working for an organization who were restructuring quite heavily um, and was offered the opportunity to, uh, to take a settlement. And that essentially gave me the now or never moment I needed to, to, <laughs> to set up my own business. Um, so it's something I've always wanted to do. And I've been, I've been selling my own artwork for oof, uh, at least 10 years now. Um, but I, uh, I always had the vision in mind of a bricks and mortar gallery. Um, but actually, obviously, the, the pandemic has, has changed a lot of the ways that we do things. Um, and I decided actually, bite the bullet, start online and, and work towards a physical gallery one day. Has it been hard to build an online business? I mean, I feel like artwork in particular is, is still something people, <laughs> I guess, like to see. Yeah, it's, um, uh, it is going well. Um, but I, I know that I'm in this for the long haul and it's not kind of going to you know, be massive, massive quick wins. Um, like you say, the physicality with artwork is often a key selling point. Um, so I do pop up exhibitions all across London. Um, and I also work with another couple of organizations, international collectives um, of artists uh, to create physical shows as well. Um, but actually being able to kind of spot something on Instagram and go, oh, that's nice. I wonder how that could look in my room and kind of mock it up in situ and um, being able to kind of do the research about the artist and find out a bit more about them and their practice in your own time actually is a really helpful tool for people who are interested in, in buying artwork as well. So it's a blended model, um, but really the, the kind of the website is my main selling tool at the moment. I think one of the things I love when I was reading about your business is this, um, I guess this 
portfolio approach, this collaboration approach that you seem to have as an artist yourself, you, you understand the pain that other artists have when it comes to selling their artwork. So collaboration seems to be at the heart of and community at the heart of what you're doing. How do you decide who to collaborate with? And was that part of the business at the beginning? Or was that something that's evolved as you developed the business? So it's a bit of both, actually. I, like I say, I've been selling my own work um, for about a decade. And during that time, I've, you know, I've put on exhibitions separately. I've, you know, I've worked on a curation program with, with another organization uh, called ArtCam, who are a brilliant, brilliant organization to be a part of. Um, but it's kind of, I already had a, a couple of artists in mind uh, at the very beginning to say, I really want to work with you because I was familiar with them. I was familiar with their work over a couple of years. But actually, the nice thing about about Bobcat is it's attracting new and emerging artists too, um, who, like I say, they kind of they're finding their way. They're maybe working in isolation, and and actually, it's really nice for them to be a part of a, a community where they can ask questions and kind of go, "What do you think about?" Um, and how how about we do something um, collaborative in this way? Um, and so it's you know it's offering up loads of new opportunities um, which they wouldn't have been able to to grasp by themselves. So let's talk about the power of fear. And I and I want to try and share with the audience um, what you've experienced in fear um, and, and what your belief is around how to conquer it, I guess. So um, t- tell us what you know. Um, so I actually can't remember who first said this to me, but um, it's, it's something that I always keep in the back of my mind. It's uh, if something isn't worth doing, it's, um, it, you know, so if something isn't, scary at least a little bit it's probably not worth doing um and that that does stick with me um because this this whole year has been exhilarating but terrifying in equal measure (laughs) um and actually sometimes the fear is uh is a blocker in such a major way that you you know you don't know if it's going to work you have to try it um you know the the worst thing i can think of is um is the regret if you haven't tried at all um but actually like I say, if, if it's if it's scaring you, it's probably for a good reason. It means that you're going to be careful, but you can push through and you can do it anyway. I think that's very good advice. And I, I, I actually concur. I, I think if you're not feeling fear, you're probably doing something mm. wrong. <laughs> it's almost some element of it. Yeah. If you're genuinely passionate about something, it's going to be scary. <laughs> and But I think it's interesting. And one of the reasons we, we do this podcast, we, we, we like to highlight what we think are, um, you know, emerging entrepreneurs that are setting out new ways that things are getting done. And when I look at your business, the way you've structured your gallery model and the kind of collaboration approach and the community I feel that you're building there, it's, it's a unique way of building a, a business that has traditionally been done a certain way, right? Like we know with art galleries. Mm. So I really think that's pioneering. Yeah. But the other thing I think is interesting is, is kind of people that can relate to your story. So you you get this payout, as you mentioned earlier, and, and, and I'm sure it wasn't right now I'm going to do my own business. I'm sure fear kicked in right? and you thought, well, maybe I should get a job. Oh, yes. <laughs> so how did you overcome that that first stage? I think a lot of people listening might feel. Yeah. I mean, like I say, I had uh, a lump sum of cash um, and I knew I needed to make that last that full year um, to support me so that I could actually focus on on the business. Um, So actually just being upfront about that with my husband and actually really talking it through um, and not keeping that fear kind of locked up inside and, and, you know, bottlenecking was a massive, massive step. Um, And so to have his support behind me, knowing that you know what, if I failed, I failed, but at least I tried. 
um, was a was a massive help. Um, but I haven't failed. Um, and in fact, the business is is now into year two, um, and you know it's it's growing, um, it's growing steadily, um, not too fast because that's that was what the other thing that was scaring me is that okay, what do I do if I suddenly find myself in a position where I've got too much to handle? Um, but you have to you have to acknowledge what is scaring you, break it down into bite sized chunks, think about each thing in in its kind of individual points. Um, and then you can start to, to move forward because um, otherwise it's just a massive wall. Um, and I say, take it brick by brick. I guess as a, a species, humans have that one skill that no other animal has, which is the ability to project into the future what could happen. It's a real, it's a real skill, but I guess when fear is involved, it can also hinder you because you could be thinking, well, I might run out of money. Um, or uh, my business might not work and I'll look silly, right? I guess these things play out in your head. And so I guess partly what, what I take from what you're saying is you, you've learned to train your mind. Do you think you, you have fear under control now or do you still feel it often? Oh, it, it, it manifests in all sorts of ways. Um, one of the classics, I think, is imposter syndrome where you're going, oh, my God, I don't know what I'm doing. And then you think about it and you're like, actually, if you look back over the last six months, I do know what I'm doing. <laughs> And I just have to keep keep learning, you know, because um, there's there's no shame in not knowing the answer. Um, you go and find out. <laughs> you talk to other people who've done it before and go, how did you manage? Um, and you work through it. Like I say, you break it down into bite-sized chunks and, and think about it more rationally because that's the thing with fear. It can, it can cloud you um, so that you can't see a way forward. But if you actually go, hold on a minute, why am I worried? What am I worried about? What what does that mean for me? Um, then you can start to kind of work back and go, okay, I can handle it this way. Does it does it being an artist help you with this process? Because I, I don't know when you're describing that. It feels like you start with a blank canvas, and it's probably quite daunting to create something that everyone's going to love. So you you know you you think about it in small bits, step by step, as you create the painting. Do do you think there's a similar a similar approach here when you're when you're dealing with fear? Yeah. And you speak to many, many artists and they'll tell you that um, creating a piece of artwork is a roller coaster. You start off and you're like, oh, OK, this is this is all right. This is all right. And then you have a moment where, like, oh, my God, this is terrible. Oh, my God, what am I doing? And the doubt kicks in. And then you, you have to push through because if you stop at that point, you'll never finish it. But if you keep on going, it goes, oh, OK, all right. All right. OK, this is going upwards. Oh, OK. And there's probably going to be another moment before you're done where you go, oh, God, I've ruined it. Um <laughs> And you keep going and you keep layering that paint on or collaging over or whatever it is, but you'll reach a point where you're like, actually, I'm happy with this. It can go out into the world now. Um, but that, that's just the process. <laughs> you just described, I think, every business I've ever built. Um, you know, I think it always starts off with the excitement of building the business and then the fear of actually having to execute. And then, oh, this is good. No, it's not. It's not working. Or oh, people love it. No, they don't. Um, and, and that that whole, and, and I guess, yeah, it's it never really goes. I guess you get used to it. I think that's another element of fear, isn't mm. it? You just let it live with you. Yeah. But it's, like I say, you, you, you have to acknowledge it in order to understand what, what it's telling you. Um, and I mean... For me, that like I say, it was it was okay. There are two ways this could go: it could go terribly, um, or it could go wonderfully. If I don't try, I won't know. Um, if I run out of money, okay, I'll get some part-time work on the side. 
it's not a problem. We power through. Mm. You know, many many people have done it the other way around, so why can't I do it that way? I think the the line that springs to mind when you talk about this, which I, I, I believe so strongly is, uh, and research actually backs me up on it too, is that you only really regret what you don't do in life. At the end of mm-hmm. life, if you did something and it, and it failed, you don't necessarily regret it. You just regret the fact if you never tried and found out it could fail. So I, 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 that's why personally, I've, every time I've had a business idea, I've actually gone and done it because I don't want to sit there. I had a comic book that failed, for example, a, a piece of artwork, actually, mm-hmm. in the end, a beautiful piece of artwork. But I, I, I feel like if I hadn't, it, hadn't tried to do it, I might have always wondered, what if I had done that comic book? And so it's better to have failed, right, and uh, embraced fear. Yeah. And if you make a mistake, you learn from mm. it. That's, that's what mistakes are for. Mm. <laughs> Do you think you've been lucky when you look at where you are now? Do you, do you feel luck has played a role? I have been incredibly lucky. I have been incredibly lucky. But um, it's, you know, there are, there are people that I've met over the last year that I would never have met if I hadn't started this business. There are opportunities that have come my way that would never have come my way if I hadn't have done it first. You know, it's, um, there's, there's an element of luck, but there's an element of, um, being willing to to put the work into um, what I am lucky with is that I'm surrounded by brilliant people who are my own little personal cheerleaders, <laughs> my husband included, um, who see the doubt creeping in and go, "Oi!" <laughs> I think that's another key element from your fear lessons here. I mean, you said share, which I think is so true. Mm. I, I feel like you hinting at enjoying it, like enjoying the ride, sort of yeah. thing. Um, acknowledge the fear is 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 an important part uh, as well. And now I think the network you're talking about there, the people around you that almost, um, I guess, support you in your uh, yeah. doubt um, and help you get through the fear. Because we all need that, right? Yeah. So finding people that believe in you and help you through it. And sounds like you've got that support yeah, network. I do. I have some. I have some really great friends. Um, and like I say, my husband is is brilliant. Um, and we'll constantly like just hold up a mirror if I'm going. What am I doing? Because <laughs> that's the other angle on fear, isn't it? It's it's not only your fear. It's also, I guess, mm. your friends and family and partner in life. If if you're lucky enough to have one, that that whole your what you decide to do in your business will have a dramatic effect on them and their life. So you kind mm, of in absolutely. the fear boat together in a way, and they have to be on board, <laughs> right? Because otherwise, it's going to be a very lonely ride. <laughs> well, that's another way of conquering fear, isn't it? It's make sure they are. I think a lot yeah. of people don't have those honest yeah. conversations, as you explained. That honest sit down, like this is the yeah. outcome. If it fails, I will get a part time job. Mm-hmm. This is the outcome. If it succeeds, yeah. we might have to live on baked beans for a while, but we'll be okay. Well, baked beans are awesome <laughs> anyway. So you know, it's not not the worst thing in the world, is it? If this podcast is inspiring you to start or grow a business, then I recommend you use Taylor Brands. They are our sponsor for this podcast and they help you not only craft a brand, but design merchandise and so much more. In the last year, I've used this site for every single one of my businesses. I couldn't recommend them more. And we've even negotiated a 40% off discount code for you. Just use PEP, P-E-P, when using their website to make your booking. Now, let's get back to the podcast. Yeah, it is interesting to go to the worst case scenario and, and figure out what fear actually ends up meaning. Because, you know, sometimes it's yeah. underlining, I guess, um, childhood trauma, for example. My, my parents oh, yeah. lost all their money. So, that you know, I sometimes that comes up yeah. in my fears if Me history too. is going to repeat <laughs> itself, right? Yeah. I mean, not very many people know this, but I was actually um, made homeless when I was seven years old. Wow. So it's kind of, you know, I've, I've been there. I bounced back. 
back and do that again if necessary. <laughs> that's a that's quite young to have a memory of it too, right? I mean, I've got a four and a half year old. He's just starting to remember now. But that's quite that's what a big traumatic memory for you. I mean, thankfully, we were only um, out of a home for about six months, so it's um, it was contained as it was going to be. Um, but uh, like I say, we worked through it. We bounced back. Human beings are incredibly resilient if you give them a chance. Mm. But that legacy memory will stop you doing things. The fact that you push through it, further credit to you. Because I think if you've had that experience, <laughs> it's it's not easy. Um, do you have kids today? No, no. My husband and I are not going to have any children. I think it's, uh, I, I, I just mentioned I've got a four and a half year old. Something changed in me when I had mm. my son. Again, for the listeners listening, sometimes it is it is really hard to make decisions like start a business and risk it all if you've got children. Um, I'm not yeah. saying it's easier when you don't because I've done both and I don't, they didn't think it was easy when I didn't have kids, but, but it's just a whole new level when you've got kids, which is why I guess, um, yeah. you know, like you're talking about there, I don't know what happened when you were seven, but, but it's really hard, isn't it? To, to take those gambles as a parent when you've got a seven year old to look after. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and like I say, it's, it, it is, it is possible to, to put that wall up and let it stop you, but, you're, there's probably a part of you that's going to be regretting that for a long, long time. So. I, I was also homeless at 15. I, I have to say, and I'll put this very carefully, um, but it was, it wasn't as bad as I imagined, which is, you know, I, <laughs> I think there's something about having nothing that actually takes you back to the basics. It doesn't matter. It's if you have love. Yeah. Sounds like you still had the love of your parents there and people around you that loved you. These things, you know, are yeah. almost um, just materialistic things. Right. It's 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 yeah. not that important. And that's what I think when I'm listening to you, that's another thing I'm taking away. It sounds like you and your husband, you've got a very close relationship where you're very open and honest with each other. And that allows you as a couple to deal with fear. Yeah, absolutely. Um, it, like I say, it the nature of being an artist as well is that very often you, you, you know, kind of you're working away with your head down and you're, you're in isolation. Um, and I'm very conscious that actually I'd like to give my artists that, you know, a lifeline if they're in that situation to say actually I'm really worried about how do I approach this and it's you know it's another part of the the model that can help kind of flourish <laughs> mm. well that, that's another thing I think must be amazing about your community and what you're building a lot of people my wife's an artist so I can I can relate and there is uh, a lot of highs and lows in that business right there's moments mm. where you sell a piece of art and, and you feel like this I can actually do what I love and get paid and then there might be months where you sell nothing right so so it's, it must be really hard actually and having your support network um, must, must be really valuable but but why did you I asked you earlier but we didn't quite clarify did you start off this new business model this way or was it COVID that shaped it? So, like I say, I always knew that I wanted a gallery. I never envisaged that it would be online, um, or at least not purely online, if you know what I mean. Um, so, COVID shaped that aspect of it. Um, but actually, you know, it was always going to happen. Um, really, <laughs> I didn't even intend to be in this country when it when it happened. I was kind of planning kind of 10 years ahead um, to when my husband and I uh, are going to be living in Canada. Um, but actually... Like I say, there was a there was a moment when I was handed that money, and I kind of went, "I have to do it now. There's there's nothing in the way. <laughs> it has to be now. Um, so let's start online." Um, and like I say, I've worked in communications for ten plus years, so um, I had a fairly good grounding in that respect, um, and kind of how to harness kind of digital marketing for me. Um, 
but actually I've, I've skated by on a shoestring over the last year digitally. Um, you know, I've, I've, the business is paying for the tools to do the business, um, but I haven't had an awful lot of spare money for, for actual marketing. So what I have done over the last year has all been organic. Um, which is I'm quite proud of. <laughs> should be proud of. And I hope the listeners listening will put your website links down below. Perhaps people can go and um, show some appreciation for what you're doing and your spirit. And I've taken something from your fear insights today that's really useful. I love that share point. I think enjoying fear almost, uh, that, that recognizing imposter syndrome. The, the actual physical feeling of fear is very similar to the physical feeling of excitement. That's why that's people true. get them mixed up so much. Yeah, that's very true. You know, the, the same kind of sensations that you get, kind of sweaty palms and kind of, you know, shaking. And those things are what you get if you were excited about something too. Mm. So. That's like when people go on roller coaster rides, I guess. You have that anticipation <laughs> of what might happen and then the exhilaration of actually it happening, right? So um, yeah, I think exactly. is, is, uh, <laughs> people always talk about going on a parachute jump out of a plane and they say, actually jumping out of the plane is not the hard bit. That's, that's just by <laughs> what people think. It's the three days build up where you're thinking about it beforehand. It's actually the hard bit, right? Once you've started your business and you're in it, you kind of yeah. have to learn to deal with the, with the, with the fear, right? So it's, um, and yeah. I asked you about luck Absolutely. earlier, not because I think you're necessarily lucky, but I've seen a correlation between like the more, you know, they say the harder you work, the luckier you get. I, I actually think it's the more risk you take, the luckier you get. And risk and fear connect. So, you know, you need hmm. to take risk. You need to learn to manage fear. You need to learn to take control of it. And if you can then take more risk, yeah. then you get more luck. It's also incredibly important to remember that asking for help is, is, is not a crime. Um, if something isn't quite going right, it's not the end of the world. Just put your hand up and say, hello, I need a, I need a little bit of help here. Because um, there are there are plenty of people out there who are who are willing to lend a hand. Mm. I'm actually shocked how many people are um, hesitant to ask for help because I think the strongest people actually mm. ask for help. It takes a lot of courage to ask for help, and so I love that asking for yeah. help is not a crime. Feels like a T-shirt we should make because I, I I totally <laughs> agree with you. Um, maybe we could do a collab on yeah. that. Actually, I'd love to, I'd love to do a T-shirt uh, around oh, amazing. an artist uh, <laughs> collaboration because I, I feel like people should reach out and they're not alone. And and that's another element of fear, isn't it? You're not alone to deal with the yeah. fear. We're all going through it. Everybody. Even yeah. if you've given a, you know, you've earned or given a lump sum of money like you have, you still have fear that that money will be gone. Yeah. And you would have wasted it. Yeah, it doesn't exactly. matter you've got no money or you've got money. It doesn't matter. You're going to have those fears around money. You're going to have those fears around relationships. Going to fear around your time being lost, your time, you know, your your, mm -hmm. your your brand being damaged, and we all feel these same things. So, um, so I really love that asking for help is not a crime. Is going to really stick with me, um, and I thank you. <laughs> I think it, it's it's probably. Um... It's something that I'm more aware of. I spent uh, time in addiction charities. So that that barrier for ask, to asking for help was something that came up again and again and again. Um, and so I'm I'm very conscious that, you know, if, if something isn't going right, put your hands up. Mm. <laughs> mm. I've never personally worked in any addiction charities. What makes you lean into that, uh, that particular area? So um, basically when I left uni, I... I, I, like I say, I always knew I wanted a gallery, but I knew it wasn't going to happen immediately. I was a carer for my mum. She was disabled in an awfully uh, lot of different ways. Um, but I knew I needed stable income uh, for, for at least the, the meanwhile um, so I could look after her. And uh, I 
was never interested in big corporations, didn't float my boat. So I, I started with charities. Um, and yeah, I bounced around the charity sector for, like I say, 10 plus years. So environmental charities, addiction charities, children's charities, um, all sorts of things all over the shop. Um, but that, that was that was what I was good at. <laughs> Interesting. Well, um, you're clearly a, a person with uh, a mission and, and someone that likes to help other people. I can see that from the way you're building a business for yourself, for other people. Um, just one final thing I wanted to ask you, a bit controversial, but I was wondering what you thought uh, of NFTs and, and that whole movement. Does it does it help your industry, do you feel, or is it hindering it? Um, am I... My thoughts aren't actually around the industry per se. My, I actually have a statement up on my website um, clarifying that I will not be um, investing in NFTs. I will not be um, selling NFTs at all. Um, and actually, uh, it's honest conversations with my artists that if they if they are heavily invested in that area, they may not want to work with me. Um, because I there are a number of different things that I, I'm not sure about or happy with or don't fully understand about NFTs, uh, one of which is the environmental impact um, because I, I just, I think it's bonkers if I'm honest, um, how much energy people um, essentially waste creating what is a receipt at the end of the day. Um, but also, you know, one of the, the arguments that people bandy around about NFTs is that they are democratizing the art world and actually they're not, they're doing the opposite if I'm, if I'm honest because only the people that can afford to make them make them. Um, and if you are already struggling with your energy bills, you're not going to be trying to do that as well on top. So um, I don't think it's democratizing at all. Um, but yeah, I, I like I said, there's a statement on my website that's uh, that's to that effect. So they're, they're not for me. <laughs> I I, um, I think it's really interesting to have a discussion around NFTs. And I, I have you are the first direct artist. My wife's an artist, but she doesn't own a business mm -hmm. like you do and, and deal with lots of artists day in day out like you are so it's actually really refreshing to hear from an artist's point of view about nfts because a lot of the <laughs> nft stuff that i'm seeing and i have invested in nfts but i see it more from a marketing uh, hype perspective mm. as opposed to directly yeah. hearing from the artists and, and hearing what it's like for them on the ground and until i'd heard your statement just then my view incorrectly maybe was that it was helping artists um control their own artwork and relationship with the client I think there are there are better ways to do it. There are better ways to do it. And for instance, my artists, uh, when when they sell a piece of work with me, they're provided with the buyer's details so that they can send that work to them. They can build a relationship with them. Um, and I don't see that as taking away from my business. I see that as adding to it because the artist's happy, the customer's happy. They're going to come back. You know, and that artist can, like I say, they can they can create a, a whole conversation with that collector um outside of what i do but i don't see that as taking away i see like you say it gives gives the artist some control over what what they're doing with their work mm. but it also means that we've got a little community building it feels like maybe nfts sometimes the justification for them has been reverse engineered around a problem that does exist but isn't the only way to solve the problem like <laughs> you're saying so for example if art galleries yeah. 
allowed the people that sell art in their art galleries to have the relationship with the client direct then that's it that's one less argument for nfts to exist yeah. right and then your energy point is yeah. a really interesting one because because we don't really talk about that the amount of energy that's been mm. used up to create these nfts yeah. um i'm suddenly feeling very yeah. guilty for buying some i i i, I know <laughs> what you mean you know it's 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 definitely yeah. Uh, a tricky one uh, anything else on the insights on nfts i really like to hear the other side of the equation so you know feel free you know to tell us well like i say it i my business is all about original artwork so um my artists are free to sell prints elsewhere if they want to um because i understand that you know that's a, a good money maker for them but for me i'm focused on the originals um and i suppose that's another aspect of an nft that i'm not entirely comfortable with um it's it's how do you display it? How do you enjoy it? Um, you know, art falls into many, many categories. You know, it can make you think about something in a different way or it can make you feel something or it's simply beautiful to look at and it makes you happy. Um, how people interact with NFTs is an entirely different full game, you know? Um, and for me, actually, what I'm trying to do is get people away from screens <laughs> mm. um, and give them something that they can enjoy on a daily basis. Um, and I, again, I'm just, there are many, many reasons I'm not comfortable with NFTs. So I'm, I'm steering clear altogether. Well, I um, just uh, interviewed Tony Fidel, who's the uh, mm -hmm. inventor of the iPhone and um, iPod mm -hmm. and um, also created a company called Nest. And he pretty much said the same as you then, you know, he, he's created these devices, but now he feels like we're too <laughs> addicted to them and that we need help yeah. to, to, to not be addicted to them anymore. And, um, mm -hmm. and, and so, you know, this, what you're talking about is another good point while, you know, NFTs in part of a flex, right. Online. Um, they're yeah. also another reason to go online. So, so I, again, another great refreshing view on NFTs and I appreciate you, you sharing. <laughs> and, um, yeah, I, I, I wanted to talk to an artist who represents artists, uh, for a second, just to get a view that isn't heard enough actually at the moment. That, that it is it is a bit hyped up from, from the marketing folks um and less about what the actual artists need so thanks for that i mean don't get me wrong there are some artists that are thoroughly enjoying creating fts and thoroughly enjoying the process of selling and buying them mm. but again i think it's it's a much smaller segment of of the market than people realize so. yeah fair enough yeah is there a yeah. do, you, do you see a time in the future where where it, things might change for example if if I was pitched to recently a startup that is doing solar panel um, mining of crypto, which eventually would mean that um, things like the energy used to create things like NFTs would be from the sun. Mm -hmm. That sounds like a step mm -hmm. in the right direction, doesn't it? Yeah. If, if, you, if it's not having an environmental impact or it's having a minimal environmental impact and it's also not going to cost um, as much to actually produce them, um, then that might actually democratize them a bit better. Like I say, for, for me at the moment, it feels like it's just the people who can afford to do it who are doing it. Um, and actually, I'd prefer to, to broaden out um, access to art in a lot of different ways. Mm. Um, for instance, one of the things I'm very keen on is actually encouraging young people to try and create art because, again, they're told, you know, oh, no, you, you can't do that. You can't make money out of it. You can, you, it's not a viable career, actually. It doesn't have to be if you enjoy it. If it's something that you want to do, give it a try. I say this every day. It's so true. <laughs> it doesn't have to all link back to financial reward. But actually, ironically, yeah. what I have noticed in my career <laughs> is that if people are doing what they love, it does actually lead to money. 
but it because it's sustainable for you so eventually it does and you know whatever success means mm. for you and whatever amount of money you think you need if you're doing what you love every day it won't yeah. matter that's the, that's that's such yeah. a good message and, and so true and success changes every day well, it's never going to be the same one to, one day to the next yeah. there's always another goal around the corner well, well said <laughs> again couldn't agree more Do, um if you were to go back to your younger self to the last question uh, to end the podcast if you went back to your younger self and gave some advice what would it be Keep learning, keep being humble. Um, always remember to thank the people that support you. Thank you so much, Catherine, for coming on the podcast. <laughs> and uh, listeners, uh, stay humble and keep saying thank you to those that support you. Have a wonderful day. Thank <laughs> you very much, Kevin. Thanks so much. Thanks for listening to Pep Talk. We hope you enjoyed it. Don't forget to follow The Purposeful Project on all our social media channels where we're giving away even more free business secrets and entrepreneurial value. Again, we'd like to thank our sponsor GoDaddy for powering this podcast. From naming a business to buying a domain name to building your website for free, GoDaddy has you covered. For 40% off GoDaddy tools, click the link in the podcast note below and use the code GDXPEPTALK. See you next time, entrepreneurs. And remember, you're not alone.